Welcome to the Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. On this week's episode, my special guest is David Wollstonecroft, writer and showrunner for shows such as MI5, The Escape Artist, which starred David Tennant, and the bodice-ripping blockbuster historical drama, Versailles, which of course makes David an expert on the making of kings, which is quite relevant to this week. Oh, and we also talk about why the passing of Queen Elizabeth has rendered the unemotional British emotional, and what an odd contrast Liz Truss will be to His Royal Highness Charles, King of England. That is odd to say, King of England. Anyway, this week we also make a very British cake. And to get your hands on that recipe from today's show, please subscribe to my Substack at marissarodkopf.substack.com. And on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies. After a small break, we are rejoining you by we. I, of course, mean the royal we, because this is a week in which we speak of the royal we. And I have as my guest the great, the wonderful, and somebody I haven't seen in 20 years, David Wollstonecroft. David Wollstonecroft comes to us from currently from Ojai, California, but hails from the British Isles. He is also, and this is probably more pertinent to all of you listening out there, he is the creator of, I would call him a, a writer, a showrunner, one of my favorite words, a writer, a showrunner, an author. And um, of note, you have been the creator of MI5? Correct. Yes. Back in the day, the, you like fell out of Cambridge and just got a job and wrote Thanks a, to you. I, I could suddenly <laughs> say chocolate and coffee chocolate. and I could That's right. I was just melting I, into the cultural mix. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. I didn't teach you that one. MI5, then you did, the, you did things like The Escape Artist with the king of all kings, David Tennant. Speaking, exactly. I mean, it's a, oh, we're going to be talking about other kings like King Charles III, King Charles II. But today, to me, David Tennant will always be my king. Speaking of kings, Versailles, the blockbuster, fantastic series all about the sexy, seedy underbelly of Versailles or lots of bellies. Lots of bellies. But um, I would say the and co-created with the great, wonderful King Simon Merrin, who uh, I have known for years and years. But together we had really an extraordinary time in the stately homes of France making that show. So, um, <laughs> you know, awful. Yeah, it's awful. awful. Before we get to the stately homes of France, you and I were once young folks at um, the esteemed uh, Cambridge University. We were, and you did a lust like three years, three or four years ago. That it was, was three or four years ago. Yeah. And you look exactly the same, which same. is actually true. Everyone does sort of look the same. Like, you know, if you'd shaved a little bit of beard, I wouldn't know the difference. I did, but I shaved, I made it look as if I have a beauty spot. Because of all the gray, you know, this is one of the issues with beards is when you have the salt and pepper. Yeah. Kind of, you know. Yeah. And the little beauty spot seems like the kind of thing that like the Sun King would have done. Is have right. Be. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, venereal <laughs> disease. But it's, it's definitely. It's one or the other. Yeah. Why not call it both? But you, um, you went on to do things like footlights. But before that, you were, I think, doing 
musicals and you did Guys and Dolls. I did. I and you, did. you, even though you were born in Honolulu, Hawaii, you really are a Scottish gentleman. And uh-huh. I needed, uh-huh. I, I became your, your dialect coach, didn't I? You were brilliant. I, I got to say, you, you, you took us from cartoon to like the sort of challenging <laughs> humanist reality of the street. <laughs> Which is exactly. really what what that musical needs to live. <laughs> I could sing like the every single Greece, song, right? Oh no, I know. Same here. I, I was actually teaching my daughter the other day. What's it called? Uh, I don't know the, the the name of the song, but it's the horn something for fugal horns. The the we are got yeah. the horse right here. Um, name is Paul Revere, yeah. and there's a guy that yeah, that one. Yeah, hard no. to sing with it too, but it's it's just <laughs> I love that there's this. I have you here today to talk about the week that was. And what a week it was if your name was Elizabeth. No kidding. Right? With, uh, we uh, send our condolences to the royal family and send our congratulations to Prime Minister Liz Truss's family. I, uh, I mean, or, and, you know, the, the, the tube line as well. The, that's the, new, we the newest tube line. tube line. And commiserations to the Sex Pistols, who's yeah. going to have to reform and re-record, right? Yes, God save our king. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of name changing, a lot of new pillar post boxes made and stamps. I can't imagine what the money is going to look like. It's well, people have been talking about how, you know, in current in circulation, you can still sometimes at least you could sometimes come across a um, a different monarch's head on a coin because, you know, who's bringing them to the bank. But it is quite arresting to come from a country that does have this iconography so deeply embedded in it um, and that our postage system will change and the coinage will change. But talking of Versailles with Louis XIV, it's sort of the same, was the same principle for him because he sent his image everywhere in France. He would literally send his portraits to sit in the countryside so everybody could see. He was like sort of, I don't know, mail out, 17th century mail out. And... um, (laughs) It's just, it, it's always very interesting, you know, what it's like, you're a historian, to look at just the way that history just keeps coming around in this bizarre, surreal, bonkers spiral. And yes. it was such a shock, I have to say. I watched the moment live when Hugh Edwards, BBC, was saying, mm. the Queen is dead and the King and the Queen Consort. I said, what King? Exactly. Doesn't he have to sort of have a rubber stamp, like in the coronation? Mm-hmm. No, apparently it's like, Declassified. You can just turn somebody into a with a magic wand that just instantly becomes monarchical. Not Donald Trump's magic wand that magically declassified all those documents. No, although that does sound like a really cool Harry Potter spell. It would be very cool. Declassification. Declassificano. Declassificano. That would probably be it. Um, Yes. Yeah. Because you have that. Yeah. In honor of the queen, I, I want to tell people what I am making, why I am wielding an actual wooden spoon and not using my fantastic six-port KitchenAid mixer because I want I am making a dish that is so classically British. It's a recipe from my husband's great auntie Rawls, and it's written in her <laughs> classic British hand. She remained a spinster all her life, bless her heart, because as she said, my husband, because she grew up during the World War II, my husband must have been killed during the war. Oh. That's why I remained a spinster. Bless her. Heartbreaking. Good old Brits and their emotions, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
she tucked them all away into this <laughs> into very into this recipe which she made dutifully and it was a crumbly it was sort of dry but in a good way raisin cake i know you you know grew up eating these sorts of things whether you were forced to or wanted to i've made some tweaks in this like i've soaked the raisins in whiskey in honor of the queen because she died in scotland and um i'm adding nutmeg to it and some vanilla but are otherwise they raisins or are they kind of the gooseberry sultana like the they, munitions raisins sul- sultanas are hard to find here and for those wondering sultanas are just very large raisins they seem fancier but yeah, they're really they're just large raisins they're full of them <laughs> they're, they're, they're the ego pigs of raisins and <laughs> if if you get a recipe for like a british fruit cake it calls for sultanas for raisins and for currants like all the dried grapefruits and what the current of the world and it's sort of it does feel a little like overkill i'm going to be honest with you well so, it, i mean it's it's an english pudding should be able to kill that's one of the reasons <laughs> for it if you if, if you make a raisin pudding <laughs> yeah. of any english short it should fit into a trebuchet and you should be able to blast through a castle or a human skull with it that's in one of, in one case of, the, of emergency i think right. it's really that's probably where where your husband's aunt first came across the recipe was in a munitions factory where well, they would have been making these puddings just in case well she grew up in coventry so they had right, well to. there you go yeah so it, this is probably oh my gosh it's probably a secret recipe that we've never even thought about but right it's it like a the secret. v2 of english puddings this is it and we're here and we're making it people the british are such practical people that they invented dessert that not only eats well keeps you nourished for days and can keep for centuries. I mean, I think, you know, I've eaten Christmas puddings that are at least 70 years old. And also my dad, my dad's favorite recipe, actually, uh, in his in his last year, we had a pudding conversation. <laughs> and we said, well, would you like, you know, your childhood pudding? And he said, he barked across the room, plum duff, which <laughs> sounds like a venereal disease. Yes. Not a dick, I guess. <laughs> the, but is is um, plum duff is basically Christmas pudding, sort of basic level it's not like the Laredo version of the pudding. It's like the, it's just, it's just basically if you stopped right now in your preparation, that would be a plumbed up, I think, right. with maybe with dripping or something. Yeah, you got to have the some sort of lardy that. product. There right. has to be a and lardy it, product. Exactly. So, something that would just sit and be there through your teen years that you, <laughs> you ate at school. I think that's the plan. I think so too. When, when they start uh, British um, public schools, which are private schools, they make a giant one and they just yeah. sort of, it's like um, sourdough starter, I think. But <laughs> um, all these dishes have come back because of the Queen's Jubilee year. You, I think you were telling me earlier that your mother had memories too of raisin cakes. Well, yes, it's, it's you know, it's uh, 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 death and weddings are the times that you're allowed to talk about emotions with other British people. And you don't talk about them with any cracking of your voice or anything silly like that. I don't understand what you mean. Uh, but exactly. It's, it's, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, and 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 I was talking to my mum about because I was genuinely interested. You know, the coronation fifty three. We're going to have another coronation. That's right. Um, we have coronation chicken sandwiches at our favorite sandwich shop, Nadia's. We used to go to a student, and yep. so which had raisins in. You see, I'm bringing it all together here. It's um, all coming together. Uh, but the the pudding that um, she remembered, she would. She, I said, what was the 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 meal that represented current like back time for you i can't remember how old she was but she was a little girl 
And she said, well, it was roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, which is bizarre Ooh. to me because she drew up mm. in the southwest. And some form of crumble or a Victoria sponge. Oh, the best. Right? And so... Probably um, an apple and blackberry or apple and gooseberry. Yes, crumble. gooseberry, which were my dad's favorite berries, which I found out today, since we were talking about gooseberries earlier. In France, they're called mackerel. The mackerel berry. They were used in a mackerel dish. Really? Uh, yeah. Like I wish I could remember the French now, but it's, it's just wonderful how these, and, and they used to be quite plentiful in America, but they have a, 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 a bacteria on it that kills pine trees. And so all the gooseberry bushes were removed from forests to protect the pine trees. I'm kind of okay with that since I really have never been a big gooseberry fan. Yeah, it's basically the, the fruit you like if you don't like fruit very much. I think that's true. But why do British people call people who like stick out a little bit, um, who don't, aren't welcome, a big gooseberry? I think because of is the, it related uh, to the pine forest protruding nature? And I'm sorry to go here again. I seem to be slightly obsessed, but uh, I don't know what our rating is on the on the podcast. But it's the good. gooseberry the gooseberry bush used to be the slang for pubic hair in the 19th oh, century. And I did not you, know if that. You were born under a gooseberry bush, which <gasps> was a phrase. That's what it connoted. So, so the being born under a grocery bush means you had a, you didn't have a C-section, I guess, but. And the first person to have a C-section, just bringing it to royalty, the first person in public was Queen Victoria. Right. She had, she even got to have chloroform, which is kind of a great thing. Not necessary for your plum duck. What is, what is the name of this dish? It's raisin pudding that you're making. It's just a raisin cake. Raisin cake. Raisin cake. And if I had sultanas, it would be a sultana cake. You're but we're going to call there that looks like a mystery soy sauce. Shh, nobody should know. No, this is vanilla. Not used a lot in British cakes, but I always oh, add it to everything because very posh. I have an issue. So this week, some things went on. I, I, I really wanted to have you on the show, not just because if you ask to have anybody on the show who's considered a royal expert, they expect to be paid mega bucks. Right. That, I want that secret to be out there because I think that is grotesque. I agree. I'm available literally at, <laughs> at least half that price. I mean, under. Oh, under, right. Under, yes. Maybe. Send a bill to under. Yeah, yeah. Send a bill to uh, <laughs> a Deep State Radio Network. Not for you. Um, not for you. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I'm available too I, for like a quarter <laughs> of the price. I can undersell <laughs> you. But I wanted to have you on because you, in your own way, are a royalty expert because and have expertise with kings thanks to your writing of versailles so you went deep into what it's like to be a king I do did. you have any tips for king charles the third well it's interesting the french english i mean the norman conquest onwards right, the, right. The, i think britain and england in particular doesn't realize quite how french it is until you you know 1066 onwards and we stole the brits stole lots of lovely words and the French stole some back, Le Weekend, Le Picnic, <laughs> and so on. I think just those two. But I the, think those, um, that's the only one. Pretty allowed. much, why would you take anything else? And Louis Louis the Fourteenth, who was the king that we Simon and I focused on on, on Versailles, was this kind of Kardashian with Macaron at the time. You know, billionaire in a house <laughs> having a party. But the interesting thing about him, and I think, you know, if you drill down to what the royal family means for Brits, and obviously opinion is divided quite substantially around this. Right. Growing up in Scotland, as I did, it was even more substantially, I would say. But 
personally, I really, I quite, I'm an admirer of somebody who does public service. You, you know, and the, I think I saw a joke online about, you know, in public housing and with universal basic income, as she did, she did very well. With yes, her. she but had the ultimate the, public housing, right? She did. But, you know, that's a destiny that she was just railroaded into. And uh, we've seen what happens when they try to get out of that railroad. It's quite intense. And so I think the the Louis Fourteenth comparison, it's, it's this mechanism, right? It's this, it's this extraordinarily well rehearsed and we saw this with the announcement about operation what's it called was a london bridge right london bridge where the newscasters got into their funereal gear which i see you're wearing i'm i mean sort of wearing i work quite yes. funereal and yeah mine's navy blue though because i will never be a subject to the queen yeah that's so good enough and nod to the french the original <laughs> louis louis blue i think that that sense of articulation of social your, your life being this kind of stopwatch, this, this Swiss clock constantly mm. moving around. I'm struck by, you know, you, they used to say that, I think it was Saint-Simon would say that you could tell what the king was doing in France by the time of day, you would know what was happening in that man's life. <laughs> but the thing that I love, just to bring it back to you, it was the public eating. That's the thing that <laughs> blows my mind. Where, and I just can't see Charles having the same, although it would be fun, frankly, to try it would be to have a, a royal banquet where it's just him and Camilla sitting on a pull-out table, and then it just starts to move out from there because you'd have these kind of layers of people. Then mm-hmm. you have the courtiers, and it would be the pecking order down. And then, and I didn't know this, and maybe you can be the counterpoint, but I didn't understand this, that eventually after that meal had gone through enough hands, mm-hmm. they, they would take it back to the kitchen, wait a bit, and then they give it to the poor outside, finally. Yeah. And that's where sauces were invented, because they could hide the rancid flavor of the meat, as usual. Right. Which I, again, found fascinating, possibly a people do question. People do argue that sauces were not created to hide the meat, hide the flavor of meat, but they mean in the wealthy, right? It was really just like, a coverall for the poor who are going to get this stinky meat that came out, right. came from the king's table. Yeah, it's like painting over it. And I mean, Louis XIV, I think, had a, the Galette de Roi was, was around. Oh, at yes. Time, which was mm. January 6th of his time. I think that was 12th night. <laughs> yes. Um, but that had a little secret choking hazard inside for the kids who mm-hmm. could be king for a day. And I don't know, I think, I think Charles III is going to be. That's a weird uh, thing to hear. I'm sorry. Right? It happened immediately. I, I just, it's very hard to articulate how bizarre it is. You have to understand, like, all of these barristers in England are QCs. They overnight, they became KCs. QC, which means, QC, which means associates are the Sunshine Band, right? <laughs> KC and the Sunshine Band. That's going to be the new, like, um, law court, the Sunshine Band. Right, it won't be like Greyfriars. Gray It'll be. Band. I was trolling your um, Twitter feed and I saw that you had a, yeah. a friend in there who was what I would have called QC two days ago. And I was like, it said KC after his name. And I'm like, what's that about? And it dawned on me that he is now King's Council, not Queen's Council. Absolutely. And um, they're going to change the flags. Don't forget the Royal Standard doesn't have the Welsh flag on it. You know, the little quadrant yes. thing. And he's the Prince of Wales, so there's going to be, I mean, I'm getting into flags in a big way, I think. That's the growth industry for the next three months, at least. And, and I feel, I feel I, I've spent a lot of time in Wales because my in-laws live right on the border. 
I think I may just go a full Welsh dragon on this one. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think it would be a good time to do that. I think it's, I'll be interested talking seriously for a moment. You know, Liz Truss wanting to, as far as mm. I understand it, rip up all the solar panels and frack and everything. Go frack everything, right. You know, and you've got Charles, who is, even though he took a helicopter to the Balmoral. Is for, His mother you know, was dying. I know he's break. allowed. He's allowed yeah. that he's much more, he's the most eco-friendly royal that I can think of in terms of the way that he's thought about the natural world. He, and I think that that's going to be an interesting moment because don't forget i mean we we've always had this image of the royal family as the head of state right there's a sort of functional solar system and they sort of sit there and yeah. are really transactional functionaries rather than with any kind of tidal influence on policy but then you sort of heard these stories and i have no idea about the truth of them about putting a little royal finger on the scale when it comes to land law or right Things that may just happen to influence large tracts of unbelievable generational wealth in a single family, for example, say. And a nice German family, though, immigrants. Yes, right. Yeah, Brexit was fine for them. But I, I think, I think the, <laughs> the joking aside, I do think it's a really interesting moment. And as somebody said, I saw on Twitter, I don't know who says, sorry, this is your tweet, but it was, they had a <laughs> bottle of milk in the fridge that's gone through two, a, two prime ministers and the queen. <laughs> <laughs> the image of that being just i don't know how i don't know where we stopped the stopwatch but it was it's it's an extraordinary time to be a brit i mean all kinds of shit quite literally is flying into rivers and out in britain and this constant mother grandma has passed away and everybody's been deeply affected in one way or another mm -hmm. by it because obviously these big moments affect you and have a refractive index into your own experience of loss. And I have to say, my mother would stand for the national anthem. I'm from that sort of, on her side right. of the family. That's Even if it was on television. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a bit of self-parody in it when she would do it. I think there was a, she's playing to the peanut gallery right. while doing it, but there was certainly, it's a devout reverence, whereas in Scotland, you know, where it's, it, there's just a different experience of what it means to have the royals in your life and have shooting estates on your land. And you can see how so many people just wanted to invade that country in the end. This was such a, we're like a layer, we're a trifle, but like a million layer trifle. Right. And all you have to do is like hop over Hadrian's wall. It's not even that tall, really. No, I mean, how easy was that? That was the, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> we should really have been. In America, we're, I mean, some people are bewildered as to why uh, Brits are so caught up in this and sad, possibly, if, you know, if they, why they are calling emotion up from inside of them. And also, why is it on TV all the time in America? But I don't know if people kind of quite understand, even if whether you're a Republican or Royalist, it's still because, like you said, she's a constant. Churchill. I mean, she, she's been through Churchill onwards, right? We had the post-war consensus where everybody seemed to be getting on okay. That's, and so she's an echo chamber back to that feeling of Eisenhower onwards of like, let's just go, go get them and everything possible and isn't life grand. And I think having somebody who just was the plumb line back to that and is a memory of the special relationship when it was 
in its heyday, I think is very powerful. And don't forget, I mean, I think we in America have, I can say that I'm passport yes. holder and was born here. Like the, the, the people talk about where is the royalty in America? How do we define royalty? And people used to say it's about money in the checkbook, but that's not entirely sure. I, I just mm-hmm. don't see that happening. But there is a, a, a sense of yearning for whatever that special source is because we can't really agree on it whereas in britain it's so codified and clear mm-hmm. and again speaking personally i have no problem with that central core of the, of the royal family functionally and gdp wise and everything it's the, sort of the ecosystem outside it i think is problematic when people see the civil list and see tax yeah. money going to just ridiculous people and reasons and and there's no reason i should like curtsy to some lord who got his money in some dubious fashion Precisely. 500 Precisely. years ago and i'm i'm married to french women and god knows they didn't like their royals however counterpoint they killed them all but now their president lives in a palace so hmm. that's an ironic detail that i don't think people pay a lot of attention to yeah it's a kind of bait and switch like <laughs> you know cup and whatever the cup three cup game of what they did because Three card Monty or three yeah. card Monty, uh, toi, Monty, Monty. 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 Um Yes, I I think that France is an example of what happens when you when you, you get rid of the function of what that is a royal family, you invent another version of it, don't you? And so, so that's why we have the Ken- that's why we had the Kennedys, and that's why we look for dynasties. We look for dynasties. There we go. That's we it. Got we got there in the end. We look for dynasties. Right. And it, it, some in America right now, we had the Trumps, which is grotesque, and the, the Kardashians. In the olden days, we had people like the Kennedys. And we still, like, we worship the Kennedys until they all, except for Caroline, God bless her, met their fate. People like it. It's, you know, the ultimate celebrity. But it's also like a commercial enterprise being royal. That's, a, you 100%. know, and it's a, and a social construct. It's a great reason to um, spend your tourist dollars in Britain. Right. No, it is. I mean, I think, you know, that you, you run the numbers of, of what happens when Britain becomes a republic uh, to counterpoint it. Well, the buildings will still be there that we can still you can still go into the loop, for example. You That's can true. walk through um, Versailles. Louis <laughs> Versailles still there. Thank you. And Versailles still there. And I think that you can enjoy the the pomp and the history of royalty in France doing that. I would just say that the buildings are better looking in Paris. I'm not sure Buckingham <laughs> Palace is like my dream home. I would turn no, no. it to, you know, a dog sanctuary probably if it was mine. But I think, right, wouldn't that be cool? Can we have a wing for cats too? Or are you just anti-cat? I, I'm pro-cat as well. Okay. I, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't really have a choice there, but you could do wing. You'd, you'd have to separate the wings, honestly. Yeah. I, yeah. I did a pet show once. It was my break. You didn't. You don't know this. It was the the first thing I did. I sold the pet show to ITV as a joke. Well, not a joke, but just as a kind of. Wouldn't it be funny if there was a show called Nine Nine Nine, which was uh, dramatic reconstructions? We had Nine One One when it was here, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. Man on Cliff, twenty minutes of dramatic reconstruction, and then there was this kind of animal hospital show. And my friend Tess and I said, "What if you combine those two things and had, but had animals saving people?" And it turns out there's a ton of these kind of shows. So we pitched it and it turned out I was just out of university in debt looking for, you know, creative ways to clear it. And 
we sold this show called Pet Power. You could probably find it online somewhere with Anthea Turner, who was a huge star at the time. And now that'd be like a channel, right? That would be- like, That would be uh, its own channel. 589, five, Pet Power channel. Right, and but you'd be a billionaire as opposed to just- I would be just... a billionaire, this is the problem. But we had a studio day, I remember, where we had at one end, we had a dormouse. And at the other end, no joke, we had a baby tiger. And I said, <laughs> if somebody leaves the doors open in the wrong way, we're just going to have a very fat baby tiger <laughs> that goes on. But um, wouldn't it be nice if something happened with those corgis? I mean, she loved the corgis so much. I'm just thinking, you know, surely there's, if I was running the royal family, and God knows after this podcast, I might be. You might be. Wouldn't it be nice that they did something for those corgis instead of, I don't know, boiling them or whatever they're going to do? Because <laughs> she, she said she didn't want any young dogs. Did you see that? Yeah. She didn't want, she didn't want any more because, and I understand the principle, she doesn't want these kids, these kids, these dogs. <laughs> well, they were like children yeah. to her. I'm sure she treated them with a lot of love, maybe more than her children. Well, okay. Okay. Yes. Are you about to say the same thing? I, I yeah. You say it because you're the guest. No, you should say it. because No, no, you say it. You say it. <laughs> the, the, no, you say it. No, okay. The dinner with the doctor. Is that what you were going to say? No, I was not. Okay, well, you say what you were going to say. It's no, no, I was just going to say, talk about like her, like treating the the corgis more like fa like close family than her actual family. None right. of the corgis moved to California. That's all no, I'm that's saying. That's true. That's true. That's true. Although, no, let's not go there. So, so <laughs> I would say that there are two stories that stand up for me, which is why I'm pro QE2. And, and I just thought that after of all the ways that she could be horrendous, right? She really wasn't. And so she was, the, it was, it's in somebody's biography, I wish I could remember his name, but he was a, a war doctor, surgeon, who traveled, one of these amazing people traveling the world, just doing extraordinarily brave, wonderful things for humans. And he was at Buckingham Palace, it's in his memoir, I believe, sitting next to the queen. And she just, because she's the queen, said, so, you know, where, where, where have you come from? And he said, Aleppo. And she said, oh, what's that like? Just because it's, it's a banquet. And he started to lose it because obviously all the imagery in his head was just this savage, awful, horrendous vision. And she saw that and then took out a little bag of dog biscuits <gasps> and, and gave it to him and said, let's, let's feed the corgis. And they started feeding the corgis under the table with these dog biscuits. And after a while, he, he kind of calmed down and she said, that's a lot better than talking, isn't it? And I just thought that was evidence of such a giant beating heart underneath and a real understanding of psychology and empathy that I, I completely came over to the monarchist side at that point because that takes a special kind of talent to understand what somebody needs in that moment. To be honest, now that story has a very large lump in my throat because of that story. But the truth is I actually have a dog biscuit right here because sometimes my dog comes through and I give it to him during the podcast. But now maybe I think that I should eat it. That was completely under rehearsed, people. That was brilliant. The, and the, um, the second story I must tell you, which uh, in case you know it or don't know it, is when the Saudi prince came to Balmoral. Do you know the story? No. Is, was he one of the good Saudi uh, princes? I'm not good or did he, did he bring his bone saw or no? I couldn't possibly comment, but I do know that it was a little while ago. But the queen was an ambulance driver in the war, as you know. So she said to the prince, would you like a tour of the grounds? 
and you can't really say, oh, sounds good. No. So yes. he went into the Land Rover and his interpreter sat in the back. And the queen got into the driver's seat. Love it. In an act of suffused with all the politics you could imagine, grinned at him and said, let's go and proceeded to sort of grand theft auto this guy <laughs> through the, the sort of chundering single track muddy lanes of Balmoral at 90 miles an hour happily chatting to him and you sort of saw this guy sort of um break into bullets of sweat it just i i absolutely salute that i i just want to pause and have us if there's two images to have of the queen those are they right Um, and i feel like i've been watching tv nonstop, and all the stories have been exactly the same so i am grateful for you to bring some new thoughts about the queen onto this podcast if anything it, it should that's thank you for that i did want to know what they were going to do with the corgis though is king charles going to get king charles spaniels does he even like pets yeah that's a very good point i don't know his relationship to pets i mean it's it's i mean that's the skeleton key into the british heart really is pets mm-hmm. um, but he does like i think yeah it is the skeleton key what was barbara woodard barbara woodward the woman who taught barbara people Woodhouse. How to, Woodhouse, Barbara Woodhouse. With this kind of slightly Nazi salute at the end, which everybody was doing in parks. Yes. Um, Do you do that to your daughter? Because I do that to my children when they were little. Sit. They're very well trained now. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. For subscribers to the Deep State Network, there's a special bonus section just for you. And if you'd like to become a subscriber, please go to the DSRnetwork.com. Thank you all for listening. You can find David Wollstonecroft's shows airing on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Brickbox, to name a few. And you can follow him on Twitter at WoolenSocks.com. That's W-O-O-L-L-E-N-S-O-C-K-S. And please, and thank you to all my listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave a nice review in the Apple Store, the more reviews, the better. Please, let's get that algorithm to love me. For the recipe, please subscribe to my Substack at marissarodkopf.substack.com. Have a wonderful week and enjoy cake.